1: Remember what You said, you return that I might live in my
2: Father's house. Peter is writing to encourage them, to comfort them, and to strengthen them, all of which the Spirit supplied through these wonderful and persuasive chapters. And listen, and again, this is the second reason why I've chosen this book of the Bible. I trust we will learn something of having the peace of God regardless, no matter, of our surroundings and circumstances, the things that we are presently going
0: through. It's easy to trust God when life is going our way. It's easy to trust God when all the bills are paid, the fridge is full, and you've got a full tank of gas. But what about when life just doesn't seem to want to go our way? Well, in today's message, Pastor Mike will offer you some encouragement to follow God no matter the circumstances. No matter what our life may look like at the moment, none of the trials change God's goodness. Just as He cares for the birds of the fields, so He will care for you. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1 for today's edition of In My Father's House.
1: I remember what you said, you return.
2: we're about to begin a new series of studies in the book of 1 Peter. And uh, I don't know how many times I've used that phrase, we're about to begin a new series of uh, studies over 40 years of ministry, over 40 years of teaching God's Word. And i got to tell you something, I'm just as excited about this evening and beginning this new series as I was when I first began my teaching ministry some 40 years ago. Because for me, it's just an opportunity to dig in Uh, to learn even in greater ways, to receive of God, to receive revelations of God. And anyway, I hope that you are equally excited about this new series that begins this evening as I am. And we're just trusting that God will reward each and every one of you for being a part of this new series of studies. So anyway, with that said, let's get right to it. Why don't you go ahead and grab your Bibles. We're beginning in 1 Peter chapter 1, Verse 1, appropriately, so we're going to read that one verse, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about his character. Uh, We'll talk about his relationship with uh, the Lord, how God profoundly uh, used him and transformed him. We'll talk about the circumstances uh, surrounding uh, Peter writing this epistle to the the church, what the church was going through at this particular uh, time. So some of the background information. So anyway, let's go ahead. Uh, Chapter 1, there in verse 1. And there we are told Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Okay, so this again serves as our introduction to this new book of the Bible. Okay, so let's get right to it. Our first point. Why first Peter? That is, why did I choose this particular book of the Bible? Well, I chose this book of the Bible, first of all, there are three reasons, because of Peter's association with it. That is to show us, to emphasize what God can do in and with a person in spite of himself. I mean, one of the most interesting personalities in the Bible is the Apostle Peter. I mean, if you think about it, he is quite a contradiction. And I think every one of us can really relate to Peter. You know, because also we have our ups and downs, our highs and lows, our victories, our failures. And, and uh, so I think that uh, Peter is a very relatable kind of a, a character. I mean, he is described in the scriptures as impetuous, unstable, distrustful, and yet at the same time, bold, fearless, and devoted. Remember now, until he met Jesus... He was a plain man. He was a fisherman by trade. But when our Lord became his master, after Jesus had got a hold of him, he was transformed into a mighty servant of God. He was not an educated man, we know that. Yet when inspired by the Holy Spirit, he became an eloquent speaker. For example, after Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit had been poured out upon the believers, Peter was present, the the Spirit Uh, fell upon Peter as well. And he seized the opportunity there at that feast, and he began to preach the gospel in a bold fashion. Many people came to know uh, Christ. He was brought before the Sanhedrin, which which at that time was the presiding religious council, the leaders of the Jews. And he's standing before them, and he gives an account of what had just taken place, and he seizes the opportunity to preach Jesus Christ uh, to him. To them. And after his presentation, uh, the Sanhedrin took note of the fact, it's recorded for us in Acts chapter 4 and verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were, notice, uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. You see, because of the fact that they had been with Jesus, made all the difference in the world. So anyway, Peter was not an educated man, yet when inspired by the Holy Spirit, he became an eloquent speaker, and also a literary genius, as we are about to discover over these next couple of weeks, these next several months as we go through uh, his epistle. And here's what we should take away uh, from all of this. Here's the beauty of it. What Christ did in Peter, He can also do in you as well. So that's the first reason why I chose this book of the Bible. Then there's a the second reason. And that second reason is because of who this letter was written to. This epistle is predominantly addressed to persecuted believers, and at this time, The church was being uh, persecuted on many different fronts. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But those persecuted believers who sought refuge, not only from the state at that time, uh, which was uh, Rome. uh, Remember, during this particular uh, time, in fact, uh, just to date this, in July of 64 uh, AD, this fire broke out. In Rome, and three quarters of the of the city actually uh, burned. And Caesar Nero, who was the emperor at this time, blamed that on uh, Christians. And because of that, they were uh, persecuted. And so uh, Rome, through uh, Nero, was forced to take action against this uh, sect known as a uh, Christian. So Nero helped precipitate this persecution. But it didn't only come from Rome, not only from Rome, but also from fanatical Jews and uh, pagans as well. You see, many of these believers that Peter is writing to were converted from Judaism. You know, the the first century church predominantly was made up of uh, Jewish believers. And so they had become the targets of extreme hatred by the members of their own families who thought that they had betrayed uh, God, and also their former friends, who were also uh, seeped in Judaism. And thus their property was destroyed, their bodies were tortured in an attempt to force them to renounce their newfound faith in Jesus Christ. And so anyway, Peter is writing to encourage them, to comfort them, and to strengthen them, all of which the Spirit supplied through these wonderful And persuasive chapters. And listen, and again, this is the second reason why I've chosen this book of the Bible. I trust we will learn something of having the peace of God regardless, no matter, of our surroundings and circumstances, the things that we are presently going through. But then I also chose this book, this is the third reason, because of its practical approach to the needs of every believer. Listen, the problems of our present age are no less complex than those of the first century uh, church. Here's the challenge. Living purely in an unpure world. And and this has always been the uh, struggle for uh, Christians, right from the very beginning of time. And this epistle provides an excellent source of comfort for all of God's people who are struggling, who are confused, and feeling weak. It's an amazing, relevant uh, book. Truly, we can say of 1 Peter, as Paul said, and is recorded for us in the book of Romans in chapter 15 and verse 4, for whatsoever things were written aforetime, were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. And I believe that that is an accurate description of what 1 Peter is designed to do. Okay, now that brings us to our second point, and that is Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now notice here, let's go back to verse 1, he begins by establishing his authority for writing by identifying himself in this way, as an apostle. So that their ears would stand up and they would be uh, willing to receive of his instruction, his exhortations. Now, let's talk a little bit about the office of an apostle. First of all, let's address the subject of the biblical requirements for being an apostle. And I want to give you a couple of cross references for this. The first one is found in 1 Corinthians in chapter 9, in verse 1. Paul writing to the church at Corinth, and remember now Paul was an apostle as well, and so defending his ministry, defending his apostleship, he writes to church at Corinth and he says, am I not an apostle? And then he offers the evidence. What was that evidence? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ? So one of the requirements of being an apostle was that they had to be an eyewitness of the resurrected Christ. You say, when did Paul explain have that kind of an experience? Well, when he was on the road to Damascus. Remember, as the uh, prime mover in the campaign to squash Christianity, he had that encounter with the Lord. He was wonderfully interrupted by uh, Jesus on his way to uh, Damascus uh, to bring back those Christian prisoners uh, to Jerusalem to stand uh, trial. So there he had his encounter with the risen uh, Christ. So that was one of the requirements of being a uh, an apostle that is, to have seen the risen Christ. And then he goes on to declare, are you not my work in the Lord? You know, the proof is in the pudding, if I can use that expression. You know, the churches that Paul had established, uh, the ministry of Peter and the success of that ministry just validated his calling, his commission of God, his ministry, that of being an apostle. Let me give you another cross-reference. In First Corinthians, in the same book of the Bible in chapter 4, in verse 15, there Paul also writes, For though you might have 10,000 instructors, you know, everybody wants to tell you how you should do it, when you should do it, why you should do it, right? Uh, many people want to be your teachers, but then he goes on to declare, Yet you do not have many fathers. And listen, that was part of the uh, occupation of being an apostle, being a father, if you would, uh, to the people that you are ministering to. So he says, you do not have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Again, the proof is in the pudding. And there you have it. Think about all of the churches that were established by uh, Paul, uh, just simply because of the anointing of apostleship that rested upon him. So those were just some of the biblical requirements of being an apostle. So that's the way that Peter presents himself here in his opening statement. But in a sense, if you think about this, we've all been called as apostles. Because the word apostle in the Greek language literally means sent out one. Now what does that suggest? What does that look like? Well, think about this. Jesus commanded Peter in Luke's Gospel in chapter 22 and verse 32 to go and strengthen his brethren. So that's one of the offices of an apostle, to strengthen the brethren. But listen, I mean, isn't that true of all of us as Christians? We are to strengthen one another, to be there for one another, to encourage one another, to instruct one another. Uh, On another occasion, Jesus speaking to Peter It's recorded for us in John's Gospel in chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. He exhorted Peter to tend to the flock, to feed the sheep, to provide for the sheep. And isn't that the very same calling that each and every one of us has as Christians? To feed one another, to share the gospel with one another. And listen, Peter's life and the writings of this letter is totally given to that ministry. So Peter the Apostle. So I think that's the correct way of Peter presenting himself here in his opening uh, statement. Now that brings us to our third point, and that is strangers in a strange land. So if you're taking notes, write that down. Our third point, strangers in a strange land. Now I want you to also notice, go back to verse one, notice the way that he addresses uh, this letter to the pilgrims. It's all according to what translation you're reading out of. To the pilgrims, the New King James pilgrims or strangers scattered throughout Pontus, uh, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So Peter is not writing to one particular church, and that's the reason why this is referred to as one of those general epistles. Uh, in contrast to, let's say, for example, one of the uh, letters that was written by Paul the Apostle to the church at Corinth, that we just talked about a a moment ago, which is known as uh, the book of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. So this particular epistle was not written to one church, but to Christians all over the world, known as a general uh, epistle. So once again, Peter is not writing to one particular uh, church, but writing to God's own people living at that time in the principal cities of the world. Now that raises the question, how did they get there? Well, many were carried there uh, through the captivity. Remember, they were taken captivity, they were taken into captivity by the Assyrians. They were dispersed around the world. And over time, they assimilated uh, into those cultures, into the the cities where they had been planted, and they set up their homes and raised their families and and, uh, opened up businesses. So that's how they got to these different locations that are mentioned here that Paul is addressing himself uh, to. So many of them had become Christians through the influences experienced when visiting their national metropolis back in the city of Jerusalem, where by this time Christianity had taken hold there. You say, how did that all happen? Remember, we've talked about this many times, it was required under the Old Testament law that every male Jew attend three feasts in a calendar year. Uh, One of those feasts happened to be Pentecost. And so the adult Jewish males, Uh, whether they lived in Cappadocia or Bithynia or wherever they lived throughout Asia, they were required by law to go back to the city of Jerusalem to attend these uh, feasts and to offer these various sacrifices and and such. And while they were there, uh, they were ministered to uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And many of them came to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, and then they brought their newfound faith back to them, back to those places that are mentioned here uh, in this first verse of a Scripture. So those are the individuals, how Christianity had taken hold in these different locations. But then others, so that's just one way, but then others came to know Christ through Paul the Apostle's ministry. Now remember, uh, Paul really had it going on. Paul was on a tear, and uh, you just couldn't keep Paul down. He would go from one place to the next. He was a man truly on a a mission. And in the book of Colossians, Paul refers uh, to uh, him preaching the gospel throughout the world. And it's taking a hold. In Colossians chapter 1 and verses 5 and 6, he says, Because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before, in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you, as it is also in all the world. Take note of that phrase, in all the world. And it is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you, since the day you heard it and knew the grace of God in truth. So Paul was on a tear and uh, you just couldn't keep him down. He would go from one city to the next and then on to the next and and just preach the gospel and and, uh, the gospel message would bear fruit and and uh, people were getting saved, churches were being established. So that was some of the other ways that the gospel had come to these different locations that Peter is speaking to uh, here uh, in verse uh, 1. Folks, these were individuals who were holding on. It was a difficult time for them. Remember, as I mentioned, they were been persecuted. Their Christianity marked them out as perfectly different from those around them. Notice they were living as pilgrims or strangers or foreigners. But how accurate a description of every true believer is, even us today. You see, we're not to settle comfortably in this present world that we live in. We're to be in the world, but not of the world. 1 John chapter 2, in verse 15, John the Apostle tells us exactly that. We are strangers and pilgrims upon the earth. We are referred to in that way in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20, we are told that our citizenship is in heaven, not upon the earth. I mean, no follower of Jesus Christ should become entangled with earthly ties, which neither please God nor honor him. We should break with worldliness and discard all that gives no time or thought to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, let me give you a working definition of what worldliness is, just so that you know, so that we're all on the same page. Worldliness is anything which prevents the believer from exalting Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. Worldliness is anything which prevents the believer from exalting Jesus Christ. Let me give you a couple of cross-references to just validate this point. In John's Gospel in chapter 15 and verse 9, Jesus Himself said, I have chosen you out of the world. Paul said in 2 Corinthians in chapter 6 and verse 17, quoting God, he said, Come out from among them and be ye separate. And so through Jesus, we are to be instruments of holiness and virtue we are to be separated for God. So let me ask you a question. Have we spent time cultivating that spirit of separation? You know, how much time is actually spent in that endeavor, in that occupation? In my
1: Father's house There's a place for me In my Father's house
0: As we study the book of 1 Peter together, we pray it has both encouraged and challenged you to grow in your faith. The Apostle Peter understands that standing firm in your faith isn't all so easy, but the reward is great. Learn from him today and practice self-discipline and trust the Lord to help you through. You've been listening to In My Father's House and we're so glad you tuned in to hear today's teaching with Pastor Mike. To listen to today's message again or to hear more from Pastor Mike, just search for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram to keep up to date on our day-to-day happenings if you're looking for a place in midtown manhattan to come together with others and worship jesus we'd love to have you join us this sunday for worship at harvest christian fellowship you'll be able to reserve your seat and get directions to our easy access point at harvestnyc.org we're also streaming each sunday and thursday evening service so everyone has the chance to attend even if you can't make it in person. If this broadcast has been an encouragement to you, would you consider supporting us? We'd love your prayerful support. And if you feel led, we're also thankful for any financial support. In fact, you can donate securely on our website, harvestnyc.org. Again, that was harvestnyc.org. Thanks for your support. And thanks for listening in today. Join us again next time for more with Pastor Mike, right here on In My Father's House.
1: Where I love, to be all oh my heart, not be troubled.